I would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which this podcast is created, the Gadigal and Bidjigal people of the Eora Nation. I pay my respects to Elders past, present and emerging. Welcome to the Ash London Podcast. What's this podcast all about? Well, like life, I'm figuring it out as I go. It'll grow and evolve as I do and as you do, hopefully. I want to figure out how to keep living my best life, even when it feels like the world is imploding. It'll be a little bit messy, emotional, confronting, and hopefully we'll be able to laugh about it along the way. I'm dedicating season one to my current season of life. It's called New Mum, Who Dis? Thanks to my friends at Modibody. When I found out I was pregnant, I was beyond overjoyed, but I also found myself faced with some pretty big questions, like how will I be able to stay true to my own passions and dreams in the process of becoming a mum? Because I still had and still have so much I want to do. So I figured the best way to find out was to speak to women who've done exactly that. We'll meet today's guest in a couple of minutes, but first, welcome to week 37 of my gestational journey. It's the most insane feeling to know that it could happen at any point. Like we leave the house as a family of three, the dog counts, and we return as a family of four. It's it's crazy. We sit on the couch and we kind of stare at each other, freaked out about the fact that soon there's just going to be a kid there. <laughs> Due to COVID, um, because of where we live, we're required to get tested every 72 hours. So that's been fun, um, my poor nostrils. But here we are waiting on our little guy, hospital bag packed and ready to go. Inside that hospital bag, among the fancy pajamas I bought for myself, the slippers, toiletries. And, you know, the one thing that new mums told me to get more than anything, I reckon I got about 60 DMs about this, an extra long phone charger for the hospital. Mm -hmm. Alongside all that are all my Moddy Body goodies, our amazing sponsors. I got my breastfeeding bra, cami, maternity briefs with Moddy Body's most absorbent lining ever, 10 tampons worth. What? Enough to handle postpartum bleeding, heavy discharge, what a great word, um, or bladder leaks. Not only are they supporting me through this podcast, and I'm so grateful for them, you know, coming alongside a brand new project that just shows um, how legendary they are. I'm so grateful. But they're also supporting me from all the leaks, all the leaks from everywhere, with sustainability at the forefront, featuring superior designs backed by science, Body Body Maternity and Postpartum is designed to help you navigate your new life feeling better protected, comfy and confident. And of course, love a discount. You can use my code ASHLONDON, one word, for 15% off. That's a minimum spend of $100, excludes sale items, bundles, gift cards and maxi 24 hours. All right, strap in legends. Today's episode is quite the ride. So Tiff Hall is a fitness entrepreneur, owner of fitness community TiffXO, the newly launched TXO Flex Apparel, author of 12 books and mother to the cutest child, Arnie. I've known and loved Tiff and her husband, Ed, for years now. But while I've always known her to be resilient and focused, even I had no idea of the battle she was facing and fighting behind the scenes. You may know her as a gladiator, a ninja, a total badass with a sixth Dan black belt. This episode proves she's even stronger than you thought, but that strength has been born out of lots of pain and some pretty tough lessons learned. Episode three with Tiff Hall. Let's get into it. I imagine that you sometimes look at your life and just go, how the heck are we even doing this? Yeah. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I have. And, you know, there's even been periods where I've stepped completely away from it. Yeah. You know, because it took a toll. So, yeah. yeah. Okay. 
Well, let's go back to the start because mm-hmm. your family, anyone who follows you on socials knows how close your family are. Yes. Your mother, Jeanette, who, let's be honest, looks like your sister. She is a solid 10. She's amazing. She yeah. is amazing. And I can imagine that when you were a little girl, we all kind of, you know, those of us who have got present mums in our life, we look up to our mums and that's kind of what we model, you know, our future on. Mm. But how much was her influence on you um, a real one when it came to thinking about how you wanted to be when you grow up, what kind of mum you wanted to be or what your kind of life would look like? It was everything because she was so fit and it was just role modeling, right? Like she would drop me off at ballet class and she would go for a run and then she'd pick us up. You know, it was never, my memory is never that she was like taking time out of the day to exercise. She was very good at sort of weaving it into what we were doing and our needs and also family fitness. So my parents are martial arts instructors and had martial arts schools. And so we were always at Taekwondo and she was, mum and dad were teaching us Taekwondo. And, you know, I learned all about self-esteem because mum was really strict in like having me do Taekwondo in the Dobok, which was fully covered. So there was nothing, I was never conscious about my body because you couldn't see my body whilst I was mm. exercising. And there were boys in the class, but we were all on a level playing field because we were wearing the same stuff. So it was really all about your function of your body and how high you could kick and how fast you could run. She really instilled that in me. So it was really foreign becoming a teenager when the girls at school started to be self-conscious of their bodies and didn't want to get in their bathers to be in the swim comps and that. And I did, and I was, I never had a thing about it. Um, that was odd to me because my mum had so strongly instilled like self-confidence and that exercise and sport was not about how you looked in your body. Yeah, that's really cool. So how did that transition happen for you? Because, I mean, when you got a bit older and you became a gladiator, you yeah. certainly weren't wrapped up in your taekwondo outfit. Your no. body was on show. So was there a bit of a, a, a you know, a jump for you to make or all of a sudden people are looking at my body, sexualizing my body? Yeah, I guess it's really interesting because when I made that leap to gladiators and even the biggest loser, you have to remember when I was on TV, social media didn't exist. Yeah. I wasn't on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. I didn't, no one could get to you. So unless they wrote a letter to the network and the network would pass it on, you had no idea what people were saying what or thinking of you unless they walked up to you on the street, which did happen to me. Um as a gladiator and a coach on The Biggest Loser, they would walk up to me and talk about the show. And that was always lovely. But to be honest, I I didn't have an issue with it because mm-hmm. I didn't have access to comments. It would be a very different thing now. And I have had a bit of experience now. And I joined social media in 2016. And, you know, there's been a little bit of that. Mm. But, yeah, it would have been very different being on TV back then. So when you're counting on your body to be strong and to work for you and get you through these challenges, of course, you're on the, the biggest loser. You've got yeah. to be fit. You're a businesswoman. Your career is absolutely flying. Was there ever that fear in the back of your mind that was like, if I have a baby, there has to be some sort of a trade-off between personal life and career? Because I know for me, even though nothing about what I do has to do with the physicality of it, mm. there was always the idea that, well, I'm just a woman who's chosen a career and I'm probably not going to be able to have it all. So this is the trade-off. Did you ever feel that way? 
Oh, absolutely. I was terrified of getting pregnant and I left it till quite late. How old was I? 34 or something, 33, 34. So, um, and I wasn't even sure if I wanted kids. Like my sister was very maternal. We grew up in the same household, all that. She had dolls that she would play mummies and prams and all that. I wasn't into that. No, thanks. Like I, <laughs> I, I didn't want anything to sort of do with it when I was young and didn't really fantasize about being a mum or anything. Mm. But then I fell in love and married my husband and it was something that we wanted to do. But I was concerned my body was going to change. How long would it take for me to get back? What if I sustained an injury to my core or or pelvic floor or something that, or if I had a Caesar or I couldn't exercise, you know, intensely because I was breastfeeding. I had to look after my milk supply, like all these things were worrying me. But then in the end, at the end of the day, I just, that was more important, my family and Ed. And we leaped in, even when I got pregnant, I wasn't ready for it, you know, and in the back of my head, I thought, Tiff, you'll get pregnant and you'll have a fit pregnancy. Like my mom, who was like muscles and just this tiny little bump. And I think she only put on like nine kilos. Oh, and, you know, like I saw pictures of her pregnant. I thought genetically, like yeah. that's where I'll go. And she was training during it and everything. But it didn't happen <laughs> like that for me. I put on 30 kilos and I ate, I had cravings. I lived on sausage rolls and all these things that I never ate before I cannot imagine you having a sausage roll like I know what Ed eats right and Ed is very regimented but I did breakfast radio with him and when I would be having like toast omelette maybe some pancakes Mm -hmm. delicious I'd look at him and he'd have boiled chicken and boiled eggs and broccoli yeah that was us right that's why we were together we just were on the same page right and all of a sudden he's going to pie face and getting me a box of sausage rolls he he didn't know how to handle this And I was sick. I was sick the whole pregnancy, morning sickness, day, night, day, night, nine months, whatever. I was even hospitalized because of dehydration. So I was eating to feel less nauseous and I couldn't exercise. So yeah, and if you scroll through my socials, you'll see pictures of me like 30 kilos heavier and the journey back from that. So I had Arnold and I was in hospital and of course I was overjoyed with being a mom and with this baby, like couldn't believe my luck. He was phenomenal but I was looking at myself in the mirror and I was like oh my god I still look pregnant huge bump still and I had that for ages my uterus just was swollen for a long time and I chose to breastfeed and was successful with that and I don't know it just took forever to lose like 15 months to lose 30 kilos and get fit again but you know it actually I thought that's going to hurt my business because I don't look like a trainer in my head I can't be a trainer unless I look like a trainer and walk my talk Mm. but it it, miraculously my business blossomed even more because suddenly people could relate to me they could relate to my six-pack but they Mm. could relate to me being a mom trying to get healthy again and what I call bounce forward because I didn't want to bounce back I'll never get back to being tiff pre Arnie I'll never have that muscle tone and fitness or be that weight and I'm comfy with that Mm. but um yeah it sort of drew people to me and Business got better, not worse. Which oh, she would have know. been so surprised. And I imagine that when you did get pregnant, because you are such an organized, regimented, focused human, you would have had to put some serious plans in place. Like, okay, I've got this huge community of people who, mm. and it's not just like they're subscribing to poems that you're making, they are basing their lifestyle around your advice and, yes. you know, your training. So, how much. 
did you have to put into the really just the planning and organization of needing to make sure my business survives this? Look, I know that a lot of people go on podcasts who are successful and they sort of go, you know, it was great. And they talk it up, but I'm going to be really honest. I didn't make any plans. I was naive. I made mistakes, some epic fails. And I honestly thought that I could sustain a 24 hour business that never sleeps with a baby that never sleeps, who had reflux in the beginning and was very challenging and keep my boobs on track because I found breastfeeding difficult and took some bad advice early on and stuffed up my boobs. So I had to correct that and heal from birth (laughs) and, and lose weight and get strong again and look after a baby and figure out how to look after a baby. I had no idea. I just, I just was winging it and it was the biggest mistake ever. And the, and then I got sick. So yeah. because I was trying to do everything all at once and it took a while, like I could sustain it for a while, but then I crashed and got very, very ill with, you know, chronic fatigue syndrome. Like I was out and that, that caused me to actually leave the business relationship that I had, which was with another company, 50-50 ownership of yeah. TIFXO. And I got so sick, I quit. And I was like, I'm going to walk away from everything. And my business partners were going to retain full ownership of TIFF and run it without me, make money without me, run it without me. It was just going to run without TIFF. That was breaking my heart. And whilst I was sick, actually locked down last year, I went through and my husband, with my husband's help, lawyers and the huge process of actually buying my business because I, I was stupid and didn't own any IP, buying the IP, buying the business myself and setting it up as tech wellness, which is now my company. And I run it myself and have rebranded and we've got our flow on again and got my own team. But and how everything. did you get there? How did you get from my life's falling apart to... That was two years. Wow. Like that was after making bad decisions with my health, my self-care, thinking I could do it all, which you cannot, no support, um, no psychological support. Like everything was wrong, in the ground, in the gutter, sick being you know hospitalized because well my mental health and my physical health was so bad and losing everything like I mean absolutely losing everything um and yeah it just made me think I can't work when with someone else telling me what to do with Mm. my business and be on this do this put it out I need to control it and so I bought the business I got a small team very lean and I, I call the shots now CEO, what I will do with my energy, my work hours, everything um, content wise, and I delegate and I work in self-care and mindfulness and, um, you know, do all the things that I should have done mm. as a health professional and I know what to do, but I didn't do them for myself. Wow. And I trained everyone and looked after everybody else's health, but ran myself into the gutter. Very bad. It's crazy that so many women say they have this increased focus when they become a mum, right? Because your priorities change. But for yeah. you, it was magnified by the fact that not yeah. only did your priorities change because you had a baby now, but you fell apart. I fell apart. And you ha- you really had to go one way or the other. And I really thought I could do it all. Like even when I was six months and in a postpartum body, I was filming 40, 50 uh, workout videos a day. And my mum would drive Arnold to me for breastfeeds, quickly breastfeed him. That was my break. She would then take Arnold home. And during a work day, just like, I didn't even give myself breaks. Like my break was breastfeeding a child and, you know, chugging water and getting back out there to present videos. And it was just 
it was mental. And then I took a full-time job on top of my running my own business with a new baby, traveled the world with that full-time job. And it just broke me. Like, I honestly thought I could have it all. You cannot, you have to, you have to, you know, make it work for your new family. And I want more kids and all of that. And so, yeah, it will continue to evolve. But what I'm doing now, I should have done years ago. And mums are good at this. Like my mum mm. never tells me what to do. Mm. And she'll, you know, when I was younger, she let me date idiots and never said anything until, you know. Same. But every now and then it gets to a point where she'll just go, is this the life that you want? Or are you making some the right decisions here? Was it was your mum the kind of person to do that? Was there someone in your life, maybe it was Ed, a business partner, a friend, who actually one day just said, Tiff, you've got to make a change here? Or was that something that you had to do on your own? There was an intervention between my mom, dad, Ed, because, you know, I started off as like I finished a big shoot and then I couldn't get out of bed. And then I thought I had a virus. And then three mm. weeks later, the virus wasn't going anywhere. And then I went to the doctor and a million different specialists and nothing's wrong with you. Bloods are perfect. MRI of the brain, perfect. All these tests, perfect. So what's wrong with me, you know? And we, you sort of, you're in denial. You're thinking, oh, I'm just run down. It's burnout, whatever. So we ran that gauntlet for a while and then I just still couldn't drive. I couldn't. Mm function I couldn't bath my own child I couldn't feed Arnold mum moved in to do meals and bathing and when Ed was at work because I couldn't get out of bed in the morning when Ed was on breakfast radio so someone had to be here to wake up to Arnold because I couldn't get him downstairs so all of that went on and on and on until it's like okay you're really sick you may not get better something's not working here it's the business. So what do we do about it? And that's when Ed and I made the decision to buy the business. And we didn't even know if we were going to run it. We were mm. just maybe put in the back pocket, own the IP. Just, we didn't even know if it would keep running. Um, and, you know, I've been able to heal myself whilst running the business and doing it a different way yeah. over the past year, which has been great. But definitely it was Ed and you know, my parents coming over and going, this, 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 there is no business if there's no Tiffany. And when they said, you're not mothering, you know, mom is mothering my child, the grandparents. I'm like, oh, well, Hmm. there's nothing else that matters in this world. Like that's tough to hear. Yeah. And I couldn't go to the park. Ed would drive me to the park. I'd sit on the bench and watch Ed play with Arnold and it was breaking my heart. I was the one on the monkey bars. I was the crazy <laughs> one. Like people would stare and go, what is wrong with that chick? You know, because I was going down the fireman's pole and like crazy in the playgrounds with Arnold, like had so much fun. And then to be the one on the sidelines, I was just like, I'm sorry, it's not good enough. So mm. yeah, I just, I had this courage and this like, I will do whatever it takes. And I made some huge life um, changes and invested, you know, thousands and thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars in getting my business back and doing some things I never did, um, you know, setting myself up with a good lawyer and making sure that all the legal terms were right, making sure that I had trademarks and, you know, owned every piece of the business. It was so expensive and, you know, but I wanted to do that and we invested in that and it's worked out. It's great. But I was always scared. I was, I think I was always scared in business to like go that extra, like spend the money and, Mm. you know, like. And not have someone else to actually do it on your own and trust that I can own this. That's terrifying. 
yeah, it's terrifying. And yeah, but but we got through it and Ed supported me, you know, every step of the way. And I, I just, I honestly don't think I'd even be here mm. without Ed because, you know, times got so tough that I thought I can't actually go on. Like it was really that bad. Like I thought I was letting everybody down that I couldn't be the fitness person. I lost my identity. I couldn't do the things that I loved. And I didn't even have the energy to make good choices to get well. Didn't have the energy to get well. And so many mums I know, whether they run businesses or not, have that same thing happen to them where your whole life has changed you don't know yourself anymore and you actually have that that feeling. And I think the more people talk about it, you know, like I'm kind of the last of my friends really to have babies. Yeah. And one of the things that keeps coming up is really the shock for a lot of these women of I never expected it to be like this and I used to yeah. be so confident and know who I was and now I feel like it's been taken away from me in hard times where I feel like people would be better off without me. Yeah. That's something you don't imagine when you go into this. You just – can't and for me it was delayed like I early on I sort of was a very um I don't know strategic kind of person I love routine I'm very organized so Arnold had his routine whether it was like you know play feed sleep you know and Mm. then you go into solids and then you you know there's all these phases and you create routine out of then naps and then you drop a nap and then you just keep going right and I enjoyed that and working and I had my flow but then, you know, he turned two, he's chatting, we're doing toilet training, he's more independent, he's more demanding, it's, you know, there's playdates and kinder and it just ramped up. And for me, it, it just broke me like it was delayed yeah. and because my business was ramping up as Arnold was ramping up. It's sort of all just, yeah. Too much. Yeah. And at what point, I mean, I, you know, was working alongside Ed at a lot of this time and I had no idea about this. And I know that when mm. you kind of went public with it, I was like, wow, that is so Mm. full on and so brave. So for so much of this, you were kind of battling in silence. At what point did you decide that it was important to come out and be honest about the reality of what you were going through? And was that, I imagine that would would have been pretty scary. Really scary. And because I was in a cycle of what they call in chronic fatigue syndrome, boom and bust. So you you do stuff, you go, 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 then you crash for weeks and Oof. you come out of the crash and you have to pick up the pace and, you know, answer all the emails, get back to people, sort of fix the stuff that you were in the crash. So you boom again and then you bust, boom and bust. And I recognize that my business and my life was a boom and bust cycle with, Mm. you know, it would be PR and launches and new content and then bust. And then it was always, it's the thing of an online business is 24 seven. And so I thought I have to go public because I need to disappear and I'm not going to get better whilst I'm in a boom and bust cycle with my business. So I told my team we decided and I had a psychologist I've been working with consistently and she helps me with the stress of dealing with chronic illness and um we discussed it and we decided it was the best thing and it was the only way that I could go dark it was the only way I could get off social media and get out of my community and you know they had all the content they had all this they had the program they had paid for I just wasn't going to be involved and my team were excellent in keeping things chugging along and I I got a personal assistant so everything went through my personal assistant so that um I wasn't even handling the day-to-day of the business and I was able to really then focus on getting well which is why I'm here today where I can 
you know, do a little bit of exercise function, you know. But just have some boundaries. Yeah, yeah. That's just amazing. And how do you think that vulnerability and that authenticity comes through when it comes to you as a mother? Because those are things that's so important to learn, especially for boys, this idea that sometimes yeah. the strongest thing you can do is to is to be vulnerable, not to – what was that thing? Like I, I think well, I read it on the internet, like some man at Disneyland was talking to his kid and he said, sometimes the bravest thing to do is to go on the roller coaster, but sometimes the bravest thing to do is to say that you don't want to go on the roller coaster and they're both brave. Yeah. So instilling yeah. that sense of vulnerability into Arnie, I imagine, would be really important. It is. And I try and lead by example. Like he knew mummy was sick. He knew that I was asleep on the couch and things weren't right. Cause I was always the mummy that was super involved and like over the top, like yeah. people would say to me, calm down. Like, <laughs> you know, I was that mummy in, you know, mini maestros and all of his classes and swim classes in the pool and everything, you know, he knew something was up and, um, you know, it, it was hard. And even now I've had two surgeries like wrist reconstructions and he understands that mm. and I'm really you know I, I try and instill it in him that you still don't give up so he sees me doing 10 minutes of exercise that I can manage he sees me going for a walk with my arm in a sling he you know I'm trying to show him that you just don't give in you do what you can and you control the controllables yeah. not what you can't control I can't control CFS but I can control you know eating good nutrition and supplements that help my energy and you know doing graded exercise therapies and working with a psychologist and all of that stuff to reduce stress so I hope that he recognizes that. And I, you know, the other day we have my um, brother got a new dog. It's quite a big dog. And, you know, Arnold met the dog and he didn't want to pat it. He was scared. And, you know, it's one of those situations where I didn't push him to pat the dog. Mm. And I told him how proud I was for him using his words. He said, no, I just want the dog to stay there. I'm fine here, mommy. And I was like, good boy for using your words like that is your choice and you don't have to be a hero and force yourself to pat a dog if you're a bit afraid you know like I'm seeing the benefit now you know awesome so you've launched a new business among the two wrist reconstructions and the chronic fatigue and all of this so when you approach this new challenge learning everything that you'd learned and going through the shit show that was the last couple of years what was the attitude? What was the goal? What was the real kind of the MO to do it differently this time? Just letting go of everything, having to be perfect was a big yeah, one. That's huge. For um, outsourcing things that I would have done myself. Like I, I have a writing background, published like 12 Even books. So, and, it was 12. I was yeah. counting the books and I was yeah, like, damn, like, when did I you like, sleep? Yeah. And I did like a journalism degree. So I'm a writer too. Yeah. And, so I would usually write heaps of content for the website and, you know, the back end and all of that. And so I just started outsourcing much more, which was more expensive, but more of an investment on my health. So I don't die and everything was great. And then I fell over and just did my wrist again. Another reconstruction. I was in hospital when oh, Flex gosh. launched <laughs> and I'm in a box, like my hand, I'm on the worst painkillers. So I couldn't really communicate with my team because I was away with the fairies. <laughs> oh, and I'm thinking, holy moly, like 
I can't model the stuff. I can't promote the stuff. I'm like, I got one hand. I'm thinking a sling isn't really chic with what we've got going on here. I'm like, oh my God. But what I've learned the most is like, I do a lot of mindfulness and I know you're a huge advocate for this. And I do high, high performance mindfulness with Emma Murray and, and I'm, real advocate for it and it's just changed my life I let things go I accept things Mm. and acceptance is a huge part of mindfulness so it's like I accept that my hand is injured that it's going to be injured for probably the next seven months I'm going to be in this situation have to have another operation to get the wires out so we're not even through the hardest part yet I accept that and I I'm going to let it go and do the best I can and people will see me in a sling and I'm not at my best weight. I'm not at my best body. I cannot move at the moment. Like, and I accept that. So acceptance has been really big and, you know, and we launched and we made mistakes. There were mistakes. I don't know anything about logistics and warehousing and (laughs) and packs and, and getting, and COVID delays of getting clothes from our factories are in Indonesia where it's blowing up and everyone in our factory had COVID it shut down. And you know, there were delays, but even with COVID now, I accept it. And I'm honest with my community. Hey guys, there are delays, but you know, what are you going to do about it? Like, you're going to blow up in my community, yell at me, not buy the product. Fine. Yeah. Then I'm fine with that too. And I just, I just am fine with it. <laughs> you know, right. and- I imagine that if Tiff 10 years ago was looking at Tiff now, yeah. and the way you're speaking, I imagine she'd be pretty surprised at the person she was seeing. Yeah, she would have been massively stressed, massively stressed out about getting the clothes here and the launch and, you know, everything. She would have been stressed out about being in bike shorts, you know. and All anyone ever really wants to feel like is that they're not alone and that their worries, they're not the only one that's feeling their worries, you know. Mm. So I think the world as a whole, especially with COVID, having to learn to accept, which is very hard. Yes. I think it's all kind of perfect timing Tiff. Yes, I think so. And the world is like, we're in lockdown right now. I had plans. Yeah. I had things that I needed to do with my business. It's all gone out the window, but <laughs> I accept it. And I'm yeah. not going to stress about it. And, you know, this morning, Ed and I went, we have a an athletics track near our house. And I took Arnold's bike down there and you know, he ran laps of the athletic track and his bike. And we, you know, we got out as a family and, you know, it's enough like that's that's all I need in the world it was sun was shining and you know you know we're feeling good as a family and I accept the world and I'm just gonna make the best of what I can control which is like the the mental state and the of my family right now that's it beautiful and I don't I don't care I don't need to sell activewear like I've done it it's a passion project it's three years of hard work and you know, I'd love it to go well. I would, but if it doesn't, then that's fine too. Like I had a crack. It's fine. <laughs> wow. I'll just keep wearing the stock for, <laughs> until the end of time. <laughs> well, I think that is 10,000 just... <laughs> blue hoodies in my cupboard, whatever. I think that is just the perfect way um, to wrap up this chat. I think that's such a beautiful place to live from. And I hope and pray that, you know, we can all get there at the end of the day. It's all we have is people. It's the yes. people that mean the most to us and our families and um, our health and our happiness. And yes, a lot of time you have to work really hard for that, but it's worth working you hard do. for. And I'm glad you worked hard for it, Tiff. That's amazing. Oh, thank you, Asha. It's, it, I felt really flattered to be asked to be on the show. So thank you. I think we can all appreciate the courage it took for Tiff to be that honest about just how low things got. 
And that's something I think we're only really just starting to see, especially among new mums. And I'm so glad that more and more we're learning to cut the crap and admit that womanhood and motherhood, postpartum life, it's bloody hard. And once again, in Ep 3, the same theme returns as women, as new mums, we cannot do this alone. Can I just encourage you to reach out to a friend, a family member or your healthcare professional if you're feeling like you can't catch your breath? The new mumspanda.org.au has some amazing resources and I encourage you to get around them. Well, that's it for episode three of the Ash London podcast. New mum, who dis? Next week, I'll be chatting with Business Chicks CEO Emma Isaacs, who is not only one of the biggest lady bosses I've ever met, but has six kids. Yes, six. That is the number between five and seven. I know. If you like today's episode and want to support the project, I would love it if you could subscribe and leave a review. But more importantly, I want to hear from you, hear your thoughts, any questions or suggestions or thought starters you might have about the topic at hand. You can shoot me an email, hello at ash.london. Big love and I'll catch you next time. Today's episode was sponsored by my mates at Modibody. Audio production on the Ash London podcast is by Dom Evans, research by Talissa Bazaz.